0: We're doing things a little differently this week from what we've done in the past. We are, we're certainly putting out our audio, uh, but we're also going to put out a video version of this website, uh, (laughs) of this cast. There we go. Um, And we will have this on YouTube. So we're going to be talking about some things and we're going to be holding them up. So it, we're also going to do some descriptions. So if you're listening on a uh, uh, as as a podcast, you should be okay. But if you want to get the full um, the 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 full experience, uh, we will have it on our YouTube channel. Ethan, do we have a YouTube channel yet? Uh no, but I'll make one. Okay, so we'll we'll make one. We'll we'll put it in the show notes what our YouTube channel is.
1: Like and subscribe.
0: <laughs> okay. So,
2: so I have a suggestion is that while we're uh, looking at pictures, we could describe what we're seeing a little bit as we talk just to keep the podcast from being a complete snooze.
0: Right. Sure. Absolutely. So, so we're, this is a little bit before the show. So let's go ahead and we're going to, we're going to start the show, but I'm going to ask a question. There is, there was a band, uh, I grew up in Minneapolis and I grew up in the Minneapolis sound era and there was a band called The Replacements and The Replacements had this song called Sick of That Song, okay? And it was basically the whole concept of when you are a band, when you're playing songs over and over, you, you get sick of that song. And every once in a while as a photographer i get sick of that uh sick of that camera i get sick of that format i get sick of that film i get sick of uh the subject matter so what do you guys do um uh ethan how do you approach that when you get sick of a A a camera or a film or 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 something like, uh, you know, along those lines.
1: Yeah, I got a lot of cameras. I just do what I want. I work for myself, man. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) So, I think about it. it Like, uh, I get sick of a project, right? I'm a one track mind type of guy, and so. You know, I pretty much let my life fall apart. I don't uh, shower for three weeks and I just sit here and program or whatever that I'm working on. And hopefully I won't get sick of it before I uh, actually complete it and release a product. But pretty often I get sick of it and it winds up in a box of uncompleted prototypes. Uh, I've made (laughs) myself a rule right now that I can't buy a Volkswagen-sized laser cutter until I... uh, Release this project that I'm working on now because if I do buy a laser cutter I know that I'm gonna have a half-finished laser cutter and a half-finished product and Nothing will get done. Uh, It's it's like sort of one-track mindedness, which Is a strength sometimes but a real weakness
0: Okay, uh, there's a problem with that is I'm going to need your laser cutter for my next project. So uh, Please, please fish finish the current mystery project that i think is gonna sell a billion dollars worth but uh Uh, yeah nick how do you do that how do you deal with that well so
2: when i uh i don't usually get sick of projects but what happens is i get too many going at once and uh you know you just have to you just have to put some of them on the shelf and wait for them to mature (laughs) and come back to the front that's Usually I'm not so much tired of projects as distracted by new ones.
0: Well, uh, rather than projects, what about cameras? What do you do when it's um, uh, I, uh, a camera that, um, you know, you've been shooting too much of there or you've been shooting too much of that film, you've been shooting too much of that lens. And it's like, uh, uh, what well, do you so, do from uh, a photography standpoint?
2: Well, since they it's sort of like ethan there's just plenty more where that came from so that's not really an issue either uh right i i i, I find that it's it's not some the camera's just it's like a it's like a big pile of tools you just pick up the right one that for the project i'm not so much yeah i i don't think i start with cameras the only time that i start with cameras is when i'm building and designing them and then then it's it's a matter of testing it and finding out what it can do but after i figured that out it's just another hammer on the hammer rack and you just pull it out when you need it All
0: right, A a bag of hammers you have a yeah. bag of hammers there nick yeah okay I do.
1: so i keep a bag of hammers in my truck
0: <laughs> yes um so here i'm gonna uh, tell you what uh, i've um essentially for the last six months shot pretty much nothing but the kraken and i and I love it. I love the results. And um, the um, the the thing though is, I'm a little bit burned out on it, right? Um, so I have a new project that I'm going to be talking about a little bit later today. Um, it's still it's still in the concept fa- phase. So I want ideas from you guys. But um, I I also have decided that I'm I'm going to choose. 135 millimeter camera to shoot and that's gonna be my Bessa r3m right um and I'm gonna shoot one digital um and that's an X pro um I am gonna shoot one four by five um and that's my tower um which is uh what is it what is it Ethan uh, the the tower is a uh, bush pressman d. There we go. Um, and then uh, my one medium format is going to be a 645 version of the Kraken. So um, I, I'm i trying to limit to that. Now, I will say that I've also grubbed my um, Holgas with the Holga masks, and I'm going to start producing some work. And I, th- I think that is kind of separate because it's not straight photography, it is, you know, it's interpretive photography as opposed to um, much more representational photography. So it's a special effects camera, right? So uh, so I'm going to try to limit myself to those four cameras plus the, the special effects cameras and see if that can focus my brain. Now, the other thing is I also have a four by five pinhole came in there so you know i mean i talk about limiting myself and i'm now at seven cameras or six cameras or something um but still is uh, a limitation i'm putting myself uh, i'm pulling myself out of the i can shoot anything from from the stables i kind of
2: understand what you're talking about it sounds like soft focus but uh sure
0: Soft focus. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I, you,
2: said, you said you wanted to focus your mind, but you got six yeah. different machines there. It's <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, sure,
0: sure, <laughs> absolutely, and and really, actually, my primary camera right now is the Bush Pressman. Um, I'm really doing a lot of fun stuff um, with X-ray film and and uh, paper paper negatives and paper positives and and stuff like that. So yeah, I noticed so that. that yeah. it
2: looks really good i've seen a lot of good stuff appearing on your uh feeds and one thing uh, i'm i'm jealous of that look down viewfinder that's something that i really like yeah. for, for a rear ground glass yeah. i like getting the camera down low and it's hard to i guess i need to get a little right. stool, uh, carry a little folding stool around so i can you know be a little more oh comfortable. i haven't
0: i just have a you know what is essentially about a three and a half four foot uh tripod and so I am getting a slightly different angle than what you normally get out of a, a um four by five medium format camera. And Ethan is just itching because he hates that uh angle finder. Let me go get the angle finder so everybody can see it since we're we're doing that. Okay, but let's take a time note.
1: Or not. Now we're gonna have uh, a minute of dead air here. This episode is brought to you by the Bush Pressman model D.
0: <laughs> you know, we're we're learning and the idea was the guys were to vamp, you know. You needed to vamp. So um so let's leave that in. Let's let's not take that out. And when you so this when is, you hold that up, hold still, please. Yeah. This is the angled finder on the Bush Pressman D, which is the tower press. You essentially look down, and you get the image. It's flipped um, vertically, so uh, so it's right reading vertically, but it's you know flipped horizontally. It's looking. It's like looking to any waist level finder. But the advantage of it, the thing that I think that is the greatest thing, is that it is a light baffle you know or i mean not baffle but it's a it's a light tight space so it makes it easier to frame easier to focus and and you're not under a tarp and i hate being under that tarp
1: i think the greatest part about it is that you could have sold that thing on ebay for as much as you paid for the entire camera and had a free camera without that annoying uh angle finder on it
0: Or uh, you know, my next four by five camera that I buy, I'm gonna buy one of these and put it on there. So, um, Ethan, uh, we know you have great hate for that, but but that's okay.
2: I I think what you need to do is you need to put a little bit of uh, a little raft under that camera and wade into the swamp because you'll be able to shoot at water level. But with that little eye finder thing. While you're wading yeah. in deep deep water it's great
0: i i was uh actually yesterday i was in the swamp um <laughs> right across the street from my uh from my house some neighbors there's a there's a creek that runs behind the houses across the street and it's um we get about uh i don't know on a normal day we get um maybe 10 inches of tide um and we were building a walkway and a platform to a um to a treehouse he's building for his kids so i was out there in the swamp all day yesterday and i didn't bring this but i did bring my four by five uh so that was that was what i was doing what do you uh what do you guys think should we start the homemade camera podcast Yeah.
1: yeah
2: started on it um this thing is my attempt to get a large uh basically what i wanted was a a camera with a shutter in it um that would allow me to use system lenses for medium format photography and uh what i got here is i think might be easiest to show pictures but this is the finished product well, not finished. It's a work in progress, but it's got a, a cold shoe on the top. A lens board, which is set the correct distance from the film plane. The back is a graph lock back, which has a ground glass uh, and it can be removed and replaced with roll film holders. Got a tripod mount on the bottom. And Because it's a speed graphic, it has a focal plane shutter, which gives you a 30th, 60th, 120th, 250th, 500th, and a thousandth of a second, as well as T. I don't have a way to get a cable release on this. There's a trigger built into it. It's kind of a cool system. Once you get the hang of it, it's easy to use. You just wind it up to the right number appears. And then press the trigger.
0: So, uh, when you were building that, you 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 had to cut down that box. You you cut it. It has uh, I don't know what the what the depth of um, of that box was, but it was. It looked to me like it was about one hundred fifty millimeters. Am I right? Yeah. So um, let me
2: let me put up some pictures. Um, yeah. See how this works. Okay.
1: Hey Nick, before you put up some pictures, uh, can I see how you hold that when you're actually using it in your hand? Is it, are you triggering it with your pinky finger, or are you holding it like above and using your index?
2: Okay. Why isn't this showing me the screen? There we go. So there, when I first set it up, I set it up for a left-handed grip like this. Okay. Of course you did. It, yeah, because that's what I like, and it put my index finger up here where I could press it, right?
0: So you're essentially holding the camera upside down for that.
2: That's what I was doing, but yeah, I ended yeah. up having to switch it to a right-hand grip uh, because the graph lock back on this camera isn't symmetrical, and I couldn't flip it over, and what was happening is that the dark slide and the film holders were getting in the way of the grip. So okay. in order to preserve that graph lock back, and these backs aren't perfect. They're real handy because they work with these these nice uh, ground glass that come with the speed graphic, but the little hooks that are present in order to uh, remove this ground glass and replace it with a a roll film back, those little hooks get in the way of some of the newer RB backs. And it's nice to be able to use those. And I found out you can use them, but you have to ease the dark slide out a little bit, not too much, and then slide it in. And it's a, that's an annoyance. However, it was worth it to me to keep this because it's a nice, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice back, a nice ground glass with a built-in shade. So what that just meant is I had to flip my lens mount over and turn the camera around. But that's part of how, why I build cameras the way I do. So this thing, uh, basically, I assembled the whole thing with gaffer tape the first time, and a few bolts, and then I was able to test it, and then rearrange everything until I got it where I wanted it before I started permanently gluing parts on. Um, so now I hold it like this. So right-hand grip, and that puts this button down in an awkward place where your little finger hits it. And I don't always like using it that way, so I'll change my grip like this to a diagonal uh, grip so I can use my okay. index finger.
0: Uh Like you're frozen a little bit, so... Um... All right, let's try that again. So... Okay. Stop moving around. Let the MPEG compression catch up. Stop. What? Uh, and he said, stop moving around and then your video okay. should catch up. Okay. Yeah. Now we see you. Okay. We're good. Okay. So with a right
2: hand grip like this, you're forced to trigger the shutter with your little finger and it's awkward. So I'll switch my grip down like this and hold the camera low down. And it's one thing that's kind of nice about this camera design is I have this big kind of crude tombstone plate on the front. But it gives mm-hmm. me a nice three quarters of an inch flange to grip at all different places. And then I left this part of the original box on because that gave me a really good hand grip and also uh-huh. preserved this trigger this built in trigger.
0: Um, I have a. Uh, does this have a cable release anywhere?
2: No, it doesn't. Now I may okay. I may have to rig something. The original camera used a link that went through to the bellows front standard area for a cable release. Um, and that's all gone because I took all that apart uh, to make this possible. And I'll, I'll show some pictures of what that looks like, but this isn't that hard to press. So I'm just going to have to figure out uh, a lever system that will put enough, you know, power on a, a remote release yeah. to, work, to work this thing. Uh, that's just a detail, but you know, you run, you tend to run this camera at fairly high shutter speeds. It's um, you know, its minimum is a thirtieth of a second. There are no slower yeah. speeds on the focal plane shutter. Uh so you with modern films, the way I'm gonna use this for the most part is with high shutter speeds that allow me to um uh just to use that
0: button on there, it's fine. Right. And it uh six by nine hundred speed film is, you know, grainless anyway, right? Uh oh, sure. at most sizes. Oh yeah. Um so uh one of the things i want to say about this is uh he was uh for our podcast listeners um he was talking about a um uh it has a graph lock back and in that graph lock back there is um a you know there is a slider at the top and a slider at the bottom that lock lock in the the graph lock back and then the it's got the default item that sits in there is a ground glass so it's got a little flip up uh there's a little flip up window um or what am i trying to say uh there's a flip up cover and it's got fabric sides and so it shades that ground glass viewing so if you were to hold it upside down it would be more like a you know uh a tray uh, a, a seat tray f- on an airline so it would be it, it wouldn't do the shading at the top uh am i right on that nick
2: yeah and i'm just realizing that my uh camera isn't functioning and that's because we restarted the meeting and i don't know how to switch camera yet okay so i want to uh turn on the desktop viewer and show some pictures of how this thing was built right so uh, let's see. Yeah. Seems to require me to click a couple of things. And now is a little delay. Can you guys see the screen?
0: Now we can. Yes. Okay. We we're getting a little bit of an echo there.
2: All right. So this is, uh, what a speed graphic looks like when you take off the front door and all the uh, bellows and focusing if and front standard, and all those connections
1: completely removed. And I also... Hey, Nick, do me a favor, maximize that screen. Click the green It will button. be better on you.
2: Okay. Great. But now I don't have any controls. Oh, well. So um, what you see now is the camera stripped down to what I needed, but in order to... Uh, see, there's no way for me to get to the next yeah, image. Yeah,
0: down arrow down arrow on your keyboard
2: okay there we go then the next thing I did was cut back the leather that's glued onto these old mahogany cameras and it was a good thing I did because originally I was gonna cut this all the way down to the, to get the minimum possible register distance and in theory I could have used M42 lenses and gotten an infinity focus but I noticed these two brass pieces and they are part of what holds the back of the camera on so I didn't want to cut them so I just decided, okay, this will be medium format only. I can still use Mamiya um, f- 645 lenses if I cut where this line is. So I did a careful what? measurement.
0: Yeah. W- oh, I was going to ask what that measurement was. What what, uh, what it actually
2: it? was. Um, I'll tell you a little bit later. It's um, okay. It gave me a it gave me a distance to the film plane of about fifty. 9 millimeters something like that. So a few millimeters less than the 63.3 millimeter flange back distance of Mamiya 645. So, okay, anyway, I made careful marks with a pencil and a ruler Uh, And that's not necessarily the next picture, but for some reason it is Um, uh, Yeah, let me go out of this full-screen nonsense there we go here we go i can pick the right image now oh it's not in there for some weird reason okay that's strange here we go this is what i want to show this image here so this was getting ready to cut i used on the far right can you see that fine-toothed uh, back saw I cut through the wood all the way around with that first but there's a metal box inside these cameras a thin sheet steel box and this required me to go around again with a hacksaw and the hacksaw cut through that black metal you can see on the inside and I had a really good clean cut because it took my time you know I, I, I didn't take forever to do it uh, and notice I cut through and kept the side with the shutter mechanism intact And a little corner broke off because of the way the grain was but not that big a deal and and then the next stage here was to Make a base plate which I simply cut with a jigsaw and a drill out of a piece of quarter-inch plywood and and I had already previously calculated that there would be, this cut was close enough to the shutter that I would be, or to the film plane that I'd be able to add this quarter inch layer and a 16th uh, of an inch thick aluminum plate and still have a little bit of room to fudge in the focus and get it accurate. Uh, So that's what I did. And the next thing that I did after that, yeah, you have a question? The next thing I did uh, was create that plate. So this, this shows, oops, that wasn't what I wanted to do. This shows the plate uh, after I screwed it on, and then I started using uh, gaffer tape to black out the interior, uh, because there's shiny Mm -hmm. stuff and bright white wood, and I just used gaffer tape to do all of that.
0: Uh, and then the next stage, after why, that. why did you choose gaffer tape over, um, uh, plasti seal or plasti dip or, uh, well, I don't or have just any, black spray paint?
2: I don't have any plasti dip in the house, but also, um, I really like gaffer tape because it's, it sticks really well, but you can peel it back off and there's no gummy residue left behind. So yeah. if you want to keep reworking something, it, it's strong and long lasting and it has a nice matte black surface so it does everything yeah. you want it to but it's always reversible and i wanted okay. to keep all this flexible till i really had made sure everything worked the way i wanted it to because uh, this this type of camera building is really it's like exploratory surgery it's a uh, it's it's right not, it's you want to make a plan but you also want to leave yourself open to change your mind a whole bunch of times um it's not like i can just print another speed graphic you know i've got I, I want to make this one
0: survive the surgery and live on. Well, oh, to, to I've a got good one. Camera. I've got one that may head your way if you want to try another one. It doesn't have the graph lock back; it has this spring back. But um, that might be uh, that might help you out. Uh, Actually, if you that, want to try another one,
2: that might be a plus. So I'll show you a little bit later. Okay. Um, but what I recommend is that we replace that back. Uh-huh. our with an RB sixty seven rotating back, and those are easy to pick up uh, oh, as an individual. Oh, I've got part. four of them. Yeah, send that yeah. along with it because the beauty of those is they work with all the RB backs perfectly, including the six four five and you know all the the awkward ones. And they work with the only you're limited to six by seven. That's you know that's the only thing. But the so called six mm-hmm. by nine backs are really only adding a barely a centimeter to that. So it's it might be worth the trade off to have a better back. Um, right. Uh, anyway, that, that's a possible solution or, or you mm-hmm. could get one of Ethan's, uh, six by nine graph lock backs, um, 3d printed one and just, uh, you could print it up and then we can screw that on the back of there. And that works sure. with e- every different kind of film holder as well.
0: Yeah. Um, the only problem is bungees getting, getting the, the, the shot cord. <laughs> no, you don't, don't. No, no, no,
2: no, no, he, he's made one that has, that has the normal graph lock sliders and it works with all right. the film backs. You don't need bungees. Right. Okay, so there there's that stage. And then the next, uh, the next picture I want to show is sort of the crude early stages. Um, you can see here that I hadn't really refined anything yet. I was experimenting, making sure I could get infinity focus and all that. Trying it out. This is when I had it upside down with a left hand grip and then I found out I couldn't just flip over the film holder and uh, That that was kind of a The end of that so now we can go back to this view and Anyway after my initial tests I took the camera apart, fixed the parts the way I needed it to be a right hand grip camera put it all back together and this is what it looks like now um i also started with this front plate being a uh, let's say oversized by three quarters of an inch on three sides and that allowed me to do a couple different things It, it gave me enough space to for future uh some these are gonna get bigger and bigger when i get to bigger lenses with longer registers and i needed extra flange and plenty of space to mount lenses um and i also wanted the flange as a way to grip the camera to hold on to it because one thing about box shaped cameras is they can be annoying to hold on to especially when they start okay un- unwieldy yeah uh
0: um what nick has just shown is on the front of the of the camera is an aluminum plate that has some screw holes and it, it basically bolts onto the front of the camera. It, are you going to be replacing that whole plate when you change to different formats? Is that the idea? That's your that's your mount? Exactly. It's a lens board with that's bolted onto the
2: plywood okay. flange that I attached to the front of the cut down box of the old Speed Graphic. And that lens board, in this case, this is the shortest register I can do with this camera, and that's for perfect for Mamiya 645. Uh, and in fact, when I calculated the depths, uh, I'll get into this later, but I used a, uh, a tool that Ethan turned me onto, which is a digital micrometer. Uh, and I put that uh, basically to measure the distance back to the ground glass, which is about where the film plane is. And I, I got this thing tweaked until I had a little less than a millimeter short of the distance i needed and that what that allowed me to do was to add layers of gaffer tape uh, it only took two layers to get the perfect infinity focus so i purposely oh, okay. made the camera a little too short and then i just built up that space between the aluminum you, plate and the plywood base plate with a little and you tape.
0: heard it you heard it here first gaffer tape as a shim
1: there you go Yes. <laughs> i mean. Okay, so uh, even in something like if you take apart like an old Leica or a Zorky or a Nikon, you'll often find like paper shims under the uh, under the lens mount. Like that was done professionally. Yep. I think that's no worse than, uh, or no better than uh, duct tape shims. Yeah, so that,
2: that technique worked really well. So in the future, I'll take another piece of the same 16 uh, gauge aluminum, um, match up the holes, my bolt holes, five bolt holes. Uh, and I already have another one made ready to go. And that one will have a bigger hole cut in it that is big enough to expose the entire film gate. And then I will add a, a basically a box to that. Um, with a second lens board permanently attached to create the right register for this other system lens. And what I do for a bayonet is I take, Uh, a short extension ring from that series of cameras. And I uh, cut a hole in the middle of the aluminum lens board and just glue that extension ring in place as a bayonet mount, taking care to get it right side up so that I can read the focus scale and so forth on the
1: lens. Um, But this is, hey, I, I have a question. It's like a very minor detail, but something that I noticed when I'm looking at the camera. Um, you're using square nuts to hold the lens board <laughs> on. has got to be a I reason that that.
0: well
2: I lo- What's up I, with that? I love square nuts, um, and I also just happened to have some bolts that were the right size that had square nuts, to my delight, because I love square nuts. The camera's square. Everything on the camera is square. It's a square box. All the pieces of it are square, and I like that, uh, the harmony of all the squares. Yeah
0: yeah 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 i'll do that i'll go with that
2: you also they're easier to tighten with sort of crude tools that you might have to use in the field like (laughs) you know your jackknife or whatever because uh you may not have the right hex wrench with you when you decide you want to change something but i intend mostly to use this camera with one system or another rather than to change that lens board all the time um because the idea is that i can you know i can use it as a as a Mamiya 645 camera, or I can put on a uh, an RB67 or or a Pentax 67 front piece, and then just mount those lenses to it. Now, uh, I only at this point I only have Mamiya 645 lenses, um, and the next system I'm playing with is I have one Bronica, uh, the old Nikkor Bronicas made for the early SLRs, um, and that brings up a whole other issue. When you're looking at a camera like this, um, a lot of these m- newer system lenses have um an auto stop down feature and luckily mamiya 645 has the classic switch on the lens that lets you switch to manual so that it'll stop down which you need it to do there's no you know there's no smart camera behind there uh, adjusting the aperture for you when you fire the shutter so you need to be able to uh, stop it down now you can always rig a stop down lever somehow so for instance usually there's a little, a little pin sticking out of the back of the lens. And if you slide it, it makes the, it'll stop the aperture down to the set, uh, point. So you, you, you know, you could always jury rig some sort of a little, uh, remote stop down lever yourself. Um, and that's what I'll have to do maybe with the Veronica lens. Although i found that there is a built-in stop down lever on one of their, um, extension rings. So hopefully that's
1: going to work. Uh, that would hey, be great. Hey Nick, what are all the different lens systems that you're planning on using uh, on this camera? And real quick, stop presenting so we can see your face, unless okay. you're going to illustrate. Uh, sure. So, um,
2: how do I do that? Stop screen sharing. There we go. Now is that working? Yeah, and look at the camera. Okay. So what what we have going on here is this is my minimum size and it's Mamiya 645 but that's one of the shortest medium format registers if not the shortest so I'm going to be able to use any system lens from there up um, that's worth using to cover up to 6 by 9 the graph lock back on this camera can't take any bigger film size than that so I mean, of course you could do the same thing with a full size speed graphic and could put some humongous lenses on there. But the point of this is really to use medium format system lenses. So it'll be everything between, uh, say a Bronica, which is a, got a really long register, like a hundred over a hundred millimeters down to this 63 millimeter, uh, flange back distance of the Mamiya 645. So that's a pretty big range. And there there are all kinds of lenses out there, all those Russian medium format lenses, which have many times the lenses from those old systems are superb and the cameras themselves are really infuriating. Um, So if you like this style of camera, if you like a ground glass back, if you like uh, point and shoot by scale focusing, then this camera opens up all those lenses as a possibility And that that's really what I was interested in. I wanted to use system lenses with bayonet mounts and kind of modern, a little bit more modern design on an old fashioned ground glass camera that I could take, you know, take it's relatively lightweight, for instance, compared to an RB 67, it's probably almost half the weight. Um, So there's advantages to this camera.
0: I think that there's there's a space for a um, For a a tilting and a shifting on something like this, Um, and you know it could be, um, and I'm just thinking about movements that you would expect out of a um, a a large format camera, Um, because that that original,
1: the original speed graphic has the tilts and the shifts, right.
2: Yeah. So the original speed graphic has very limited movements. It has a, it tilts back a few degrees and it rises and falls and goes, and it shifts a little bit and and that's moderately useful. But with this camera, uh, for instance, the uh, our the um, Bronica lens that I have with a hundred millimeters of distance, there's plenty of room for some bellows movement and they, yeah. uh, and I hope to be re- receiving in the mail a very very cheap um, uh, the old uh, macro bellows for that bronica uh, has full movements on the front uh, the front uh, standard and uh, it should mount right onto a, you know a, a lens board that I make for that uh, camera so I'm waiting till it gets here and one of the cool things about that one is that you directly manually adjust the aperture right on the there's an aperture control built into the front standard so that overrides the auto stop down feature uh and
1: that's real handy wait so nick you have cut the bellows off of this camera and yet you are still building (laughs) another bellows system onto it
2: well but it will only be on that particular lens board so when i take that off it's gone so it's so there's no point in having bellows for the uh for the Mamiya 645 lens because it's too close i could use a shift lens they actually made a really nice shift lens for that camera so that's an option um but the but the point of this is that that bellows is an optional thing i could use with one particular lens system i don't have to take it with me all the time Uh, and and i'm not sure whether i'll use it or not when it gets here i'll decide but um, for some reason KEH thought it was defective because it didn't have the uh, adapter for going on the old Bronicas, um, But it'll mount perfectly fine on the newer style mount. So I have a feeling that they really underpriced this thing at hey, twenty twenty three
1: dollars <laughs> Have you thought at all about using a Fuji GX series lens? Uh, they're very square
2: Uh, you mean the ones from that super fancy, all electronic camera?
1: Mm, Yeah.
2: So so I don't know how much control I can exert. I haven't used those lenses, but if they're all electronic, it might be a problem.
1: Uh, a little Arduino here and there, but I mean, you can use them open. I was just thinking that they are big, you know, square blocks aesthetically might be interesting. Oh, right, right.
2: Yeah. So any, anything's possible. I actually have the front standard and bellows from uh, one of those cameras in my collection of stuff I I bought a broken one in order to get the uh that part so I could mount that whole thing right onto its own lens board I've already got everything I need to do that uh the the question is you know will there be clearance for the the focusing rails that that's the problem a lot of these systems were designed to clamp on the bottom of a smaller camera than this but it's just a matter of you know a little more a little more uh, Frankenstein work and we could make any of this stuff happen uh, the I'm not that excited about necessarily adding movements to the camera. Uh, what I really liked about that bellows focusing. So have you looked at Bronica stuff at all? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's, I just discovered this. I didn't realize that these were so good for, uh, let's see, here we go. These are really amazing lenses in a lot of ways, uh, optically fantastic made by Nikon and the thing about them is that the helical and the lens are separate, uh, and they have a bayonet mount so that you can take the lens out of the hel- helical and just pop it in and out really easily. And that's, that's kind of weird and fun. Um, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a really cool feature. Um, the only thing is it's, uh, it adds another level of, you know, complexity. Um, But the way I'm looking at it, I I would mount that helical permanently into a lens board. And then so you can see there we are. If this helical is mounted permanently into a lens board, um, then you just change this part uh, and you can use all the different Bronica lenses on that uh,
0: board. The reason why they did that is there were a couple of lenses that would not fit into their regular helicals and so they uh made some there were i think they're they're like super wide ones uh i forget exactly what it is but there there are
2: telephotos yeah
0: it was a big telephoto so it was the other end of the uh of the focal range so like i have a 50 and a 75 for my uh ectl and they are you know i think it's a great system and it's a smooth system And it's a durable system. I mean, I I can imagine in 100 years that system, that focusing system would work. Now, Ethan, Ethan, nobody can see you shake your head if you're not also talking.
1: Yeah, I've bought and sold dozens of those, and they were almost always all jammed up with dead shutters. I think they are not reliable. I'm a fan of the newer Bronica stuff, the ETR series, the SQ, even like the GS stuff. Yeah, but
2: the, here's but, the point. Those old, uh, the
1: old
2: your your uh, Ethan's your sound is getting swallowed by the internet.
1: Oh, I, I have nothing more to say. Okay, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of those cameras. Right. So that's, angry, and yeah. that's
2: where this camera comes in
1: because the beautiful old
2: manual lenses from those Bronicas. When the Bronicas jam up, the lenses have nowhere to
1: live, nowhere to shoot. But you can go on this camera and, and have a new I, life.
2: And that I shutter was- is
1: totally serviceable, right? You could tear that whole camera down to every single piece in about, you know, two or three hours if you haven't done it before. Clean and lube the shutter, put it back together, maybe put a new curtain on it. Like it's um that I I am way more of a fan of Nick's camera than those older Bronicas, even though you know they got nice lenses. Yeah, so that's part of the whole point of this camera is that there are there
2: are many lens systems that are sort of languishing and they're going cheap because the cameras were crap and are wearing out. And, and this is a really good solution to that is this sort of universal shutter body. And it's what we've been looking for. We've been looking for a shutter to use those, all those system lenses that don't have a built-in yeah. shutter. This is one solution to that. Now it would be possible to create an even shorter register and start getting it into the 35 millimeter. But I am inclined, instead of cutting up these beautiful cameras, this one was broken by the way. It was a pretty defective camera. I didn't feel bad about sawing it up. Um, But in the future, what I'd like to do is to basically knock off the old speed graphic focal plane shutter because it's very simple and very durable and it performs really quite well um and they seem to hold up very well too. Uh, I have another one that's in the 3 by 4 oddball format and I'm that has a very long bellows on it and I'm going to keep that intact and use it for um I can mount uh, Bronica lenses on that camera and then you have basically uh, a macro camera because it it you know the bellows cranks way out there and you can get full range from infinity to macro with just one camera, which is kind of cool. So I going to call, yeah, go ahead, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm hoping to convince Ethan to work on building our own focal plane shutter because these very simple old fashioned ones, I think really could do a lot, uh, to open up our camera possibilities
0: i was uh i was just gonna say that those old um bronica lenses i'm looking at one right now um uh, the 75 millimeter 2.8 uh are you know 54 bucks it has 25 dollars worth of shipping so it's a 75 lens yeah so you're paying a buck a millimeter for that one um and and it is Uh, I I have to say that may be one of the most beautiful lenses all through the range of apertures that I've ever shot.
1: It's a Nikkor, Um, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a Nikkor. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's a really, really special lens. And and, and as proof of that, it's one of Perry G's favorite lenses. So that says something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the point in many ways of, of this camera design is to bring all these sort of oddball left out, you know, wallflower lenses back into use. And uh and then you just you do have to like this style of camera. Um I'm sure a person could figure out ways to make it, you know, slicker, but I like the very simple either you're either committed to scale focus or you're using ground glass and being met and taking your time to set up the shot and really get it the way you want i like to work that way i like to i like to either be very present and, and take my time or if i'm in a hurry don't screw around just set preset everything and just concentrate on composing so for me a camera that only does those two extremes makes a lot of sense
0: want your advice guys uh i i have decided okay uh, first of all let's back up a little uh i've been shooting a lot of x-ray film uh i bought a you know a hundred sheets of blue x-ray film that cost me 25 bucks shipped um so that when you cut it down to four by five that's 12 cents a sheet uh, or is it six cents a sheet? You get 400 for 25. Yeah. Okay. So it's some real cheap thing. And I, I've always wanted a four by 10 camera. Um, once again, panorama, working that panorama zone. Um, That's in, right? say that again. That's in four by 10 feet. Four by 10 feet. Yeah. Exactly. No. I want it to move. I, I, I mean, I don't need it to have a transmission and an engine. I want it to be powered by my feet. Um, so, yeah, no, four inches by 10 inches. And the, with, uh, so uh, I have, I, I'm in the concept stage. So I want to, to talk about what it would take to really make that camera into the camera that I want it to be. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about lenses uh, later on. I know Nick have a a suggestion for me on lenses. Um, But I feel like what I need to do is start off with the film holder. And because that's going to be, I want it to be a film holder situation as opposed to a one-shot. A one-shot is just a box. I can go out in the backyard and build that today. Um, well, I've got some errands to do. Tomorrow I could do it. But the the idea is I, I've got that. I want to I do a film holder. So, Ethan, I want to talk to you about what the specifications are that I have to figure out um, for laser-cut uh, plastic, uh, for for the for the film holder. So, okay. So, my first question is for opaque. uh What is it you cut? Lexan, poly, acrylic. acrylic. Okay. So, what is that size?
2: Nick, I mean, do you have? Uh, a yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you in a different direction, but you for for the fun of it look at real hard at four by five holders and try and imagine grafting two together
0: <laughs> right yeah you could do that and then you get a gap I have the I have the the uh four by 10 where you've got two film holders butted up together but there's a significant gap' between no, no, I,
2: I want you to do surgery and I want you to uh, actually graft them together to create a four by ten holder. No. So yeah,
0: I sure. don't that's not what I want. I know <laughs> I know there's there's some logic to that but then you you you're running into some some other problems about um how film is loaded in those and I I could certainly do that. I could sacrifice some existing uh four by four by five holders and and butt them up together and you know to do that but i really am thinking about a purpose made four by ten holder that we could start building other cameras around um so yes it's a a
2: great idea and i also would love to see one that's uh also designed to take a glass plate that's four by ten
0: sure and and i think that we can do that um because for one the front registry on that is not going to be different but right. uh, it, it the back the, you know we can move you know if we talk about the the front of the holder we can you know move it back you know or we can put the glass in the same position as we could put film and just make that a little bit thicker um and um Ethan has his self-developer, so you want you, you want to show that to everybody. Yeah.
1: So the deal is, I mean, I can make you a holder of any size, right? This is an eight by ten holder. Um, it's kind of funny to load, and it's necessarily very thick because it's also a chemical tank, and it's a prototype that I've been working on. Um, it's just black acrylic, and it's light tight, and has you know, okay apple, but. Aside from this, right, I can make film holders in any size. Um, They don't all have to be this thick. However, they do, given the materials that I'm using on a laser cutter, have to be thicker than a standard film holder. And the flange distance or the distance from uh, where the film holder mounts on the camera um, to the actual film plane necessarily has to be thicker for me to use these materials, right? So if I could use, um, you know, a fiber laser and cut thin metal and a router and, you know, make three-dimensional shapes in CNC, then we could talk about, you know, normal four or five or six millimeter flange distance inside of the the film holder. But here, Mm -hmm. you know, you basically just have to design a camera um, where, you know, the focusing screen is back to match your particular film holder, which I think for a 4x10 is fine. So for this guy, an 8x10, I built the shim. So when you're focusing, you take this thing out and you put the shim in, it's like a big picture frame that's, you know, this thickness minus right. the normal thickness of an 8x10 holder. And it puts the ground glass at the right distance. And eventually when I build cameras for this particular thing, I'll just build the ground glass spring frame to match, right? It'll be very thick, right.
0: this thickness, right? Um, and and that's kind of what I'm asking to do. What I what I want to do is do that same thing, but I want to do the four by ten. Um, uh, and
1: so, simple, given the fact that you know there, to my knowledge, there's no ISO standard or ANSI standard for a 4x10 film holder uh, depth, and nor are you going to pick one up. So you could really make it whatever you want, because it's not going to go in any other camera. It's just going to go in your camera, and you just build your camera around. Or
0: or it's going to go in any camera who buys one for you.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, or, you, you the, the deal is there's not going to be that many people making them. They're also you know, relatively expensive. So I have built this one entirely out of acrylic, which is not a cheap material. and It's not Uh gold or anything, but um, it has a couple of disadvantages. One, it's more expensive than wood. Um, Uh Two, it's nice and light tight. The real reason why this is entirely acrylic and not wood is because it's a chemical tray. And so wood will absorb or i could spend you know hundreds of dollars finishing that wood and a lot of time and it's just like you know it, the, the product becomes really expensive if i have to you know resin impregnate the wood after i cut it yada yada um yeah. so this one is all acrylic um i would suggest doing a wood or composite wood and acrylic version it would be reasonably cheaper and more shatterproof and that's That's actually one of the reasons why I have not released this besides having not finished the camera that it goes to Uh uh, fit any camera is that as it is now, um, it works fine. This prototype I used a whole lot and like eventually I kind of like there's a little crack on this corner from dropping it and it's Uh not as durable. And I think I'm actually going to make it one or two layers of uh, acrylic, maybe, you know, almost half or a full centimeter thicker just to make it really durable. Uh, but you don't really have that problem with plywood. I would probably make it out of like eighth inch uh, birch ply, like furniture ply. Sure. Laser cuts pretty nicely. Um, and then you may use uh, acrylic for things like the dark slide or, or a rail that needs to be really smooth. But um, if you're not going to dunk the thing in chemistry, I think it makes sense to make a wood one.
0: OK. Okay. And that, that tells me a lot. Um, and, uh, and I think we could do the rails. Um, that, that's a big part of it is the, well, is the rail.
1: Yeah. I mean the rails, so we could build rails and actually use mm-hmm. let's say three pieces of film as a shim when mounting the rails. So you have the right thickness to slide film in, mm-hmm. but, you know, if, if we're now talking about any thickness material, the way I handle it here is instead of making the bottom open, which would let liquid leak out unless I had O-rings and all sorts of things, is I just have these magnets. Uh, okay. These are, you know, cheap neodymium magnets, and there's some magnets embedded in the back here, and then there's a little frame, right? So I just drop the okay, frame. I put the frame on top, and then actually, like I don't have to worry about you know aligning the magnets. I just drop them in the general area. And uh, they sort of pop into place here. Let's yeah. us one. Yeah. Helps if you put <laughs> it. Or, or, <laughs> or you could build
2: or you could build those magnets in you could build those into the frame as well if you yeah. wanted to. Right.
1: Make it even simpler. Also, like um, right, so I, I built the magnets into the back frame, but you know, I could see if you were not um, you know, if if you had extra space up and down, right? So I really wanted to make this fit into a regular 8x10 film holder so anybody could use it on any camera with a shim for focusing. So I was limited this direction to this direction and here to here, or at least uh, this light seal to here. It could be a little taller this way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even still, it, if it didn't have to withstand chemistry, right, it could have a fabric hinge or even a duct tape hinge here and then uh, magnetic enclosure here. And so you pull the dark slide out, flip this guy down, load the film in, and then flip this guy back up. I think that's kind right. of a reasonable way of, of right. you know, achieving that.
0: So w- what's the thickness on that acrylic that you've got going there? Um, I believe
1: this is mostly 3 millimeter acrylic, although I might be uh, using I- some... Uh, no, you know what it is? It's... Um, it's eighth inch and 16th inch acrylic okay uh, but um in wood i would is think is it
0: yeah I, I just wanted to know is it's opaque at yeah. a 16th of an inch
1: yeah
2: totally okay but so is wood. um yeah, and, yeah and, right and right and for the if you're talking about making little uh, slender guides for, you know, a slide Uh in situation, like for the dark slide, you could use acrylic, you could use aluminum, uh, you could use grooves cut into hardwood. Like there's so many different ways to create that, um, that part of it. So
0: I'm just worried about my craftsmanship on that. Mm
2: -hmm. Nick, what do you say about my craftsmanship? Your craftsmanship is fine. You just need to learn a few tricks. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's not yeah. what he's told me. <laughs> so, well, no. So if you're
2: using, if you want to cut a straight groove in a piece of hardwood, you need a fence on your saw. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. a matter of setting up a jig or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And router tables can do a ton of, of precision, you know, the yeah. easy way. So rough cut something out of, out of any wood with a, you know, a rough saw and then just put a fence on a router table and slide that piece along and it'll make it nice yeah. rebate or whatever you want.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Well, that does help me, uh, a little bit. The other thing is I was thinking at least for the first one, the body was going to be a box in box, uh, idea. I, I, I mean, one of these days I really am going to learn, uh, bellows making. I mean, I figure if Ethan can do it, anybody in the world can do it. Right. Uh <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, but I want to start off with a box in box with focusing. Um, and so, uh, I wasn't, you know, on a ground glass. So I'm going to have to, I, for any holder I put in there, I'm going to have to have a ground glass holder. Um, you know, just like the, the speed, baby speed graphic that, uh, Nick was showing, uh, earlier on. Um, so I'm uh,
1: talking about like a half size version of this tailboard camera that I made.
0: Yeah, yeah, similar, hmm. similar thing. Um, it is going to be six by t- uh, six, blah, it's going to be uh, four by ten, right? So, it's um, like half. right, right. So, um, but then later on, I'm going to probably want to have a front standard with some movements or or something along those lines. I don't know if. I, I don't think I could do a box-in-box box with movements. I think that, that unless I just wanted to move the lens and I put it on some sort of, you know, ball turret or something. Um, but the... Uh, uh, so w- any ideas or feedback or anything with uh, with that, uh, with the box and box design? Anything that I need to know?
1: Um, no, other than, I mean... I've done it. It's it's a couple days job. Uh, you can do it. It's, it's not yeah. complicated. That being said, if you go to sell them, I'm already working on selling them when I have a laser cutter, which will be problematic. But Yes.
0: In- <laughs> no, you mean that we're going to have to fight over the market share? Well, Is that what you're, you're trying never, to say? No,
1: you're never going to own the laser cutter to do the job, and I can do it cheaper. Uh-huh. Than, sort of. I will be happy Snow. to make one, but like Okay, over here I have the Cameradactyl Cajon, which is an a inch uh-huh. version, right? But once I own a laser cutter, it's coming out up to like sixteen by twenty.
0: Yes, which is which I'm maybe excited about out, because because you can be my manufacturer for the kit. We'll see. So, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm putting I
1: get the laser cutter. i I've been researching forklifts to take the thing off of a non-liftgate truck and put it down uh, in my front yard and then figuring out how to like caterpillar winch a 2,000 pound crate into my workshop. It's, oh, uh, I can help you
2: figure that out. I've 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 got a 10,000 pound machine. I move around. Um, you, do you have a concrete floor? Do you have do. a... Can, yeah. You can just roll it on pipes. It's
1: pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah. So I, I mean, once it's in the shop, it's easy, it's got the like caster wheels but um, those caster wheels are too fragile to go over uh, my driveway which is like uh, rocky concrete right so you need to drag it for that part
2: and a come along will do yeah. fine I've I just moved a, a 2,000 pound stone that way with a come along and mm. and you know pipes and a pry bar and it takes some time but you can do it the other thing uh, about that is that the forklift it's just a matter of renting one um, yeah and but you do like and all depends on how rough terrain you're you may need to get actually a pretty huge one with a telescoping boom in which case you can just boom it right into your shop
1: yeah so i was thinking of using my van to pull it into my backyard and just putting it on some pipes right and like uh having a friend drive the van while i take the back pipe and put it into the front and do that you know it's not it's a couple hundred feet at most uh You know, I could spend a few hours just moving it there. And then like once it's uh, next to the doors over here, I would uncrate it and then use the crate boards to form like a ramp and then just caster it from, you know, I think I could push a 2000 pound machine myself over, you know, four feet of smooth ground into the shop.
2: And you could also create a couple rails with planks and put pipes on that to move over Mm -hmm. the rougher ground. Um, so basically you make yourself a little choo-choo train arrangement. Mm-hmm. That's
0: smart. I want to point out that this is Stonehenge technology, literally. I know. Uh, I love that. Can yeah, I move it Arduino?
1: You know?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a mel- if you get enough of them. <laughs> okay. So yeah, mo- moving machines is fun. That won't be too bad. A uh, 2000 pounds isn't really that bad. Um, and it might be in the end, if you're renting a forklift anyway, it might be much simpler just to rent one that can do the whole thing for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Or they're super fun. I mean, those boom, boom lifts will go 45 feet out on the boom. I mean, you you can, you can do a lot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Get it a day ahead of time and practice by moving your cabriolet around.
1: Well, I mean, I, I know how to drive a forklift. I've. Oh, okay. Uh, the last time I drove a forklift, I put a 5,600-pound, nine-foot-tall uh, CNC mill in QLab, where first I had to drag a 3,000-pound machinist granite table out of the way, and then yeah, I mean that's that's not the problem. It's that forklifts are a little expensive to rent in the side yeah, they are. Of the need. I would yeah. much rather just pay for a truck with a lift gate that could put it down, and then worry about you know because it comes in a crate, and even if I shred the bottom pallets of the crate. You know, I could probably just drag it with nothing across, you know, yep. under the concrete with my van. Yeah, that'll work. Just be careful.
0: Yeah. I think that actually you should put it in the back of the van because it you're going to move eventually.
1: It's now, way, what, way, if I ever move it's got to go on,
0: on You a, need a
1: It's I think all all, all you, you need is a bigger van and there is no such thing. You'd need a box truck.
0: Yeah, okay. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I had a truck
1: when I moved down here, but I got rid of it. Here's what you do. You just build a roof in
2: your yard and you, you buy it, you get a flatbed trailer, you deliver it on the trailer,
1: roll it under the roof and go to work. I mean, I just exactly what I would do is if I owned this property, I would drop a 40 foot shipping container and I would move all of my production into the shipping container. Um, I, I would buy a much bigger laser and i put it in its own 20-foot-long shipping container with its own air handling system, and I would just cut 4 by eights. But, you know, then every time you move, it's uh, at least a $3,000 job to pick the container up and then right. drop it somewhere, not to mention having to jack the machine up, remove the tubes, and
0: crate it for shipping. Yeah. Pain. I think... I think- really what you need is you need to put it in your in your uh, dining room and you know and just have like a tablecloth that goes for it okay and, and Ethan what I'm looking at your face
1: fit. even if I okay. remove the cabinets it wouldn't fit
0: I'm looking I'm looking at Ethan and I know immediately you want to do that <laughs> actually
2: there is a there's a much cleaner solution which is that you deliver it here install it in my shop and then you can operate it remotely you know with your little arduinos and things that's true true.
0: (laughs) all right um okay so is there uh uh nick let's talk about lenses for the 4x10 um so it it has to cover i think for for four ten, I've uh, about two hundred millimeter circle, um, and uh, what what do I need to do? Um, I mean, what's the the best way to get into a lens for that?
2: So uh, the two, I have two lenses that would work that I like very much, and one of the reasons I have them is because they were at the cheaper end of the spectrum. Uh, And the first one that pops into my head is a a Fujinon 210 millimeter lens, because it doesn't quite cover eight by 10. It'll definitely cover four by 10. Uh, And it's nice. It's a nice angle of view. So I don't think you want a lens. The problem is that most lenses give you a big image circle by giving you a longer focal length. And Mm -hmm. one thing i mean i don't think you need a super wide angle lens but it's nice to have some headroom when you're going to make a wide shot you don't want the vertical dimension to be too cropped down so i think 210 would work really well um would be a nice focal length to use and it's uh just a it's a flawless lens for a pretty low price i mean i see them for you know 150 bucks or so on ebay all the time and and, in and they come in a you can they make older ones in Seiko shutters, uh but you might as well just get a slightly newer one with a a nice copal shutter i mean you'll you'll end up with a great high performing thing it'll never disappoint you. You can find lenses that cover that much that are old and funky, but then you've got old and funky shutters, so it might be worth just paying a little bit extra to have a nice uh nice shutter, and like I said, the two ten or the two fifty are common and not expensive. Uh, They're both really nice. Now, I'm sure there's other choices, but those immediately came to mind.
0: All right. Uh, Ethan, do you have any suggestions in that range? Uh, Cheap uh, lenses that'll cover about two millimeters?
1: I mean, depends. (laughs) Um, I think the way I would use such a camera, I'd probably want like a 12-inch graphic ectar, but those are probably... 250 to 400 bucks um they're really nice they got that old you know sort of hollywood 8x10 portrait look from the 40s uh, okay it big. And it's like a little longer than um a little longer than a sort of wide-angle panoramic camera uh, but i kind of like yeah. it longer on on cameras that i have to down you know, to a tripod anyway
2: what what was the focal length again
1: it's twelve inch, so it's like three hundred and five millimeters. Right. Um, the other one that I was thinking of is like that um Fujinon Joe uses. It's like a two hundred forty uh Xerox Fujinon. I think yeah.
2: And the two fifty that I bought for eight by ten is another really good one. Um mm-hmm. and the two hundred ten. The Fujinon two ten is would be my first choice because I like a bit more a wider angle of view. Um and it's the perfect coverage unless you want movements. And uh yeah it's you're just be- beautiful fan lenses fan shutters well those co- you can get those in Copal shutters they're nice for pretty cheap i mean they come for the price of the shutter they're really a good deal
1: <laughs> yeah i mean joe yeah. got his, uh Fujinon from like a xerox machine right so the barrel is like that big i made him a mount for it it's so, like you're not gonna fit it in any shutter he made some crazy contraption shutter that i love but uh uh, you know, it's it's down the road for me making shutters for cameras like that. Yeah, right. in the in the meantime, the the two hundred and ten and the two
2: hundred and fifty come in beautiful Copal shutters that work perfectly. So mm-hmm. that's a real advantage. And and they'll, the the two hundred and ten, I think it goes up. It's a uh, it'll shoot up to a four hundredth of a second. So I mean, it's a very useful, very useful shutter.
0: One of the things that I uh, I kind of like the idea of the uh, graphic Ektar because. Uh, I'm figuring I want it to be as uncoated as possible because I'm using this blue uh, X-ray film. Um, And although from what I understand with blue X-ray film, it sees a bit into UV. So I might want to have a UV um, coating on it. But I I, I think the uncoated lens might be a... The way to go on that. Well, so if you go with the older Fujinon's uh, those
2: I think you you go to the oldest ones in Seiko shutters. I believe those are single coated. So you're partway there
0: Okay Okay Um, Yeah, so uh, Are 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 there any other concerns that you got to think of as I begin to conceive of this? Anything you got it Okay, gonna be good. Um, okay that's good um so here's uh here's another question um, about uh, then if uh, if I were to send you some black um acrylic would I be uh, would you be able to cut a little bit for me if yeah, I if I were to go that way
1: uh, in fact, I will just sell you black acrylic at the wholesale price. I I bought sixteen hundred dollars okay. worth of black acrylic the other day. Like, you're not going to get it cheaper than I'm getting it, and shipping is okay. Twice what it costs, but yeah, I'll do right. it cost. And make-
0: oh, cool, 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 cool. All right, well, that is something that's coming up. Um, I think we'd also tell the folks about our upcoming event on the 16th of july so the 16th of july we have decided of july. eight what is it 19th of july 19th of july so nothing is coming up on the 16th of july the 16th of july is just the three-day warning for the 19th of july when we are going to do uh the home camera show and full we'll show, show they- and tell show Yes. So, the unconventional uh, camera convention. The yes, absolutely. So um, we are. We're gonna have uh, anybody who wants to participate. Uh, now you will have to ahead of time. We're gonna have to find a way of publishing the link. We're gonna do it on Google Meets. Um, and uh, so so watch for that we'll have to figure out how to do that I'm our um,
1: facebook group uh I will okay visit, you know within the week when i make the meet link and then i will uh put up a reminder like a week before and then you
0: know okay and, an hour and, we'll, and we'll put up uh something in the podcast link uh, a couple of days ahead of time and we'll tell you where to go to get the link for the um uh for the the um, the show and tell, so essentially we want to see what you're doing. Um, you know, it's uh, it, you know we want to we want you to hold up the camera, homemade camera that you're you're making right now. Okay, well that's you not made a very nice part. camera, there, Graham. I made i made a very nice uh, X Pro two the the um, frozen photon X Pro two. But yeah, we want to we want to see what you're doing. Um, so it can be something in works. It can be something in um, your uh, y- you know as you are, are are doing it. It can be a finished camera. Um, if you want to do a little bit of a slideshow, um, that would be good as well. You can do it. You know, you can do a PowerPoint. You can do. A PDF, you can, you know, do it and preview or, or or something else. But if you want to do a little bit of a slideshow, that's good. Uh, if you want to have a video running, I don't, don't think we can have the audio uh, feed through, but you can do a video. You run on your desktop and then we, uh, and you well, just share your better, desktop.
1: That's bound for connectivity issues.
0: Oh, okay. So don't do a video, but, um, do videos, but uh, so slideshow or um, uh, or just showing the item. Uh, so we want to see what you're doing, and uh, I In think this is going to be a screen, whole lot of fun.
1: A mic would be great. Headphones are um, really important. Uh, if you don't have headphones, you're going to step on everybody's audio. We can work yeah. it out, but we have to have you muted most of the time if you don't have headphones. If you set right. up some lamps so you look nice and well-lit, and more importantly, your camera is well-lit. That would be great.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, uh, so look, uh, I hope everybody is looking forward to that. That is the 19th of July. It will be early morning, uh, in the US. It will be middle or it'll be early afternoon for the UK. When is that Australia? That's going to be late evening, Australia, right?
1: Yeah, but it's it's a time that uh, if you're up late in Australia or the middle of the day uh-huh. and you're up or early in the morning here in the yeah. streets, everybody can be on. And, you know, it's a little bit about yeah. with your cameras, but it's really about uh, everybody meeting each other yeah. and showing each other your cameras.
0: In Hawaii, it will be in the middle of the night. It's going to be, what, four in the morning in Hawaii or something like that. Three you in the can't morning. please everybody.
1: And That's yeah, right. Those Sweet
0: guys, Those anyway.
2: guys are in Hawaii, so they don't have any right to complain anyway.
0: That's, you got a point there. You got a point. Um, so, uh, again, 19th of July for the Homemade Camera Show and Tell Conference.
1: Okay. Graham, the Homemade Camera Podcast's Unconventional Camera Convention. That's what it is right there.
0: We want to thank Robbie Cribs. He is the guy who has um, composed our music. He lets us use it. So uh, thanks to Robbie Cribbs of Soundtrap Studios. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks.